and good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Josh and uh, Patty is taking the day off, a well-deserved vacation. Uh, Laurent will be back with us next week and our guest is Aaron Moore. Aaron, are you there? I am here. Uh, I want to start with a question about the insurrection and let's see if your answer to this and mine are completely different. On a scale of zero, how surprised are you that North Texans were arrested for breaking into the Capitol? That would be zero. Oh, okay. So I guess, I guess we're on the same page on that. I guess where my surprise is, is that there weren't more. There weren't more that we know about. That we know about, I'm right. Go, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Because they're saying now that anybody that had a cell phone that was on, that was inside the Capitol, is going to be found. So I'm just wondering how many people are going... Oh, so the vaccine doesn't give us a tracking chip, but there's one in our phone? I'm so surprised. <laughs> right. Uh, the idea that a vaccine is injecting a tracking chip is just amazing to me. Um, but, uh, right, the idea that your cell phone is tracking you, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. and, and oh, this thing I... I like to use every day actually monitors where I am. Huh. You know, and, and what it is is because the Capitol is such a fortress building, cell phone signals don't get into the building very well. So they installed a system that basically takes over your phone uh, so that you can automatically make a call. You don't have to sign into it. But it does record what phones it's tracking or what phones are connecting to the system. So they'll have everybody's cell phone number pretty quickly. Yeah, the, I mean, this whole thing, you know, they were sold on this idea that they were on the side of justice. So whatever they did had to be okay, right? Um, you know, the, the president would protect them, the law enforcement. Why are they arresting us? We're just protesting what everybody knows is an illegal election. You know, uh, they might want to look at a dictionary before they do this in the future. <laughs> well, the uh, woman who's the real estate agent here in North Texas who was arrested, what was what was frightening was she sounded intelligent, she sounded sane, she sounded like any one of our next door neighbor, and she just said, "I just thought I was following my." Yes, but she said, "I was just following my president. I was just doing what you know, I thought I was supporting him," and that's her defense. I was just following orders, said the Nazis at Nuremberg. I just, I mean, I, you know, and the guy who was in was always so quiet, and then he started murdering everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I just don't understand, I don't understand how these people thought that violence, okay, so, you know, there were sit-ins in the 60s, and there were, you know, chaining yourself to a fence to protest nuclear war, and there were... You know, linking arms for, you know, um, so what was that? Uh, not standing, was it Standing Rock? It's the, the Indian pipeline. I can't, gosh. Right. I think Standing Rock. Yeah. It was so long ago in the Trump, in Trump years. Um, you know, so you, if you're protesting something that you firmly believe in, there's every chance that you're going to be breaking the law and committing a crime, but you know you're doing it going in. And what just absolutely gobsmacked me is these people didn't realize they were committing a crime. <laughs> they just didn't. They thought, oh, hey, let's go to the Capitol, y'all. <laughs> now, they have a number of them on video 
actually breaking windows, actually walking out with uh, property that belongs to other people. Um, oh, yeah. One, one person who was arrested, her defense was, I'm a taxpayer, this belongs to me. So I can walk off with it, I can destroy it if I want. It belongs to me. I'm a taxpayer. So you know the the, the bat poop crazy guy who dressed like a bison in wool paint? Yeah. Um, who <laughs> could only be fed organic food in prison? It, the, the meme I've been seeing lately is people are calling him Dances with Karen. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like, you know, those Karens that are got in there, they're like, this belongs to me. Can I speak to the manager? They owe me the statue of Lincoln. I'm like, what the heck were these people thinking? Yeah, they weren't thinking. They were caught up in a frenzy, except that they had to buy a plane ticket, they had to get there, and now all of a sudden they're saying they're caught up in the moment. Yeah, all the way from Oklahoma, your ass got caught up in the moment. <laughs> I mean, please. So, yeah, I'm just, I cannot, all of this, this, this backstepping and rationalization and, oh, I didn't know, or I was just following my president or whatever, this stuff like squarely on the leaders of the shoulders, on the president's shoulders, and on those representatives that gave them tours the day before. Because all tours had been suspended. So just doing that was breaking the law, or breaking the rules at least. So, yeah. Yeah, breaking the rules. Uh, and the rules were no tours to anyone, wasn't it? To or anyone, right. Yeah, and our own, you know, brainchild, Louis Gomer, was in on that too, so. Uh, Louis Gomer, and apparently um, Ted Cruz, because mm. one person who was arrested had Ted Cruz's personal cell phone number uh, in his car, on a scrap of paper in his car. Oh, I hadn't heard that yet. Mm. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So, how, how, complicit, how complicit is Ted Cruz, do you think? And this is strictly speculation. Um, but how complicit and why do you think he did what he did? Oh, yeah, you're right. This is speculation. Um, I think he's trying to make a name for himself. I think he's trying to be the heir apparent to the Trump bank. And, and that's exactly my thought on it. Um, yeah. He, you know, he, he was never a big Trump supporter. Texas, no, no. Texas voted for Trump, but not in the primary, particularly in 2016. Uh, they voted for Cruz. Um, what he didn't factor in, though, is absolutely no one likes him. No one. I mean, no one. <laughs> not even his own party. So if there's going to be an heir apparent Nazi, it's going to be Josh Hawley, um, who was the other, you know, chest feeder on all of this. And mm -hmm. it's just, they're setting themselves up. They knew they were going to lose. They wanted to win over, you know, just automatically inherit Trump's crazy base. Um, who will follow anything they say, but, you know, Cruz, like, pe people literally have visceral reactions when they meet him. Like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> so, no one likes this guy. Um, so, I don't know. I just, I can't imagine. Have you ever, okay, let me back up. Have you ever been robbed? Yes. Mugged? No. Whichever. But you've had something that was yours taken away from you. My house has been broken into. Okay. Isn't that the most violating feeling in the, you know, one of the most violating yes. feelings? I should say the most. 
I mean, that somebody that you did not want to be there was there going through your things. And then everything, for months after that, you're like, you pick up a glass and you think, oh, did they touch this? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's very invasive and violent. These people broke into our seat of government and did that to people's offices. They sat in those people's chairs on the on the House and Senate floor. They were going through drawers of AIDS death, and they didn't think any of that was bad. I'm like, I just can't believe, I cannot believe any equivocation on anybody's side. And I don't just mean the, the people that were, uh, I'm not even calling it a riot anymore, an insurrection. But the, the lawmakers that thought that was okay, you know? It wasn't, it didn't have to even go that far. It was when I saw them breaking windows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where is it okay to break a window? It's not in your own house. You get in trouble for it if you're playing baseball in the yard when you're a kid and your ball goes through a neighbor's window. It's, ne it's never okay. Breaking a window is one of those first lessons in how you treat other people's property. It was on Leave it to Neighbor, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, it's like, and, and I don't understand, well, I don't understand the other side anyway very often, but, you know, we know that the police response was lacking, and there's all kinds of theories about that, but if, if these were not white people, it would have been a dramatically different thing. One, we know that. Two, that they felt entitled enough to think that they, you know, I bet a lot of this was they were just pissed off they couldn't get in. <laughs> you know, they were invited there and they couldn't get in. So I'm going to break the window and go in anyway. You know, <laughs> I mean, but there was also now evidence coming out that this, there were some people, and I don't think it was by and large the whole crowd, but there were some people who actually had it planned out about whose offices to go to, what to get. Who'd have found, and I think they discredited this, this whole hunt and kill thing, but you know they were going to cause some mayhem if they went to certain people's offices and those elected officials were there. Um, so I just, I, and the other thing, and I'm going to shut up for a minute, but this is like the most consequential event of my lifetime, because um, we're dealing with domestic terrorism on a grand scale here, is if we don't stop this now, if we don't impeach them, people are saying, well, you know, get out of office in three days anyway, two days, whatever. Then it, it sets it up that it's okay again. Mm -hmm. You know, that this can happen again. This becomes the playbook. Have, yeah, that we didn't have the appropriate response to this. Um, and I'm, I'm going to avoid all, well, I haven't already. I was going to say I'm going to avoid all the knock comparisons, but I've already done that. Um, but if you don't squash that this is an okay action, people will think that it's an okay action. Mm -hmm. you know? And and that this is just out and out. I'm not going to go as far as treason, but it's certainly insurrection, and it's a very minimal thing. It's trespassing and destruction of property. So yeah, I want it, I want everybody that entered that building to get five years to the twenty years that they're they're, they're due. You know, it might not be treason, but it is one step below, which is sedition. And the definition of sedition, we talked about this on the show last week, but here's the definition I have. It's conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of the government. Right. And right. the Sedition right. Act is one of the first uh, laws that Congress ever passed because they were afraid of people who 
were in the United States, the newly formed United States, and um, uh, were uh, still loyal to Great Britain. So it was okay who your loyalty was, but it wasn't okay to incite people to rebel against the authority. And that's what sedition is. That's certainly what, what Trump did. And it's certainly because he was inciting people, whether or not he broke a window, whether or not he led the march there. The definition of sedition is just conduct or speech inciting people mm -hmm. to rebel. Um, and you know what's really horrible here? I'm thinking, wow, y'all talked about that last week. Well, maybe we should be talking about something else. I'm like, no, this was less than two weeks ago when this was a major event in our nation's history. You know, mm -hmm. We still need to be talking about this. We don't need to move on in 24-hour news. Oh, my God, there's another crisis. Michael, this is something that still needs to be talked about every day until he is convicted. Well, this brings up the idea also of if sedition is inciting, which is just speech, is removing Trump from Twitter an infringement of his free speech? And no. what do we mean by free speech? Okay, instead of Bibles, I'm going to start putting dictionaries in every hotel room. <laughs> free speech, dictionaries in the Constitution maybe, free speech is when the government restricts your speech. They say you cannot talk, you cannot say things. It's not that you cannot say things and not have consequences for them. You are going to have consequences for them. One. Two, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest banned his butt. Is they're all private companies. Mm -hmm. And I don't really like the comparison to, you know, the gay bake the the gay wedding cake baking situation. What this is is someone saying, I have the right to to only have the people I want on in my business in my business. You know, if there's a drunk guy at the bar, you can kick him out. There was a drunk guy on Twitter, and they kicked him out. So, no, they're not. And free speech, limiting free speech by taking him off of Twitter, the man literally has a microphone in his house. <laughs> he can have a press conference any day he wants to. But he hasn't. <laughs> Don't care. He has the option to. Of course he does. Um, the other thing about... Yeah, the other thing about free speech is that I know here on the air, we're always conscious of what we say. There are certain things that, you know, you've been on certainly enough times to know you'd like to say certain things, but maybe that's not a good idea, the best way for me to express my freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. and, and we censor well, ourselves. We're careful with we what do. we say. We try to be. <laughs> I'm not doing so well right now, but yeah. <laughs> but but you know what I'm but you know you know what I'm saying. You're not saying anything to incite people. You're not saying anything uh, to encourage them to rebel against the government, to rebel against the rebellious the the rebellious right. ones. Um, you're not your your goal or our goal is like you said. This should not be repeated. That this shouldn't be the playbook later on when we don't like the results of an election. Can you imagine... The basis of our democracy, yeah, right? Can, can right. you imagine a contentious uh, um, election for mayor of Dallas and, well, we just don't like that, uh, the person who was chosen, so we're going to go take over City Hall. That's just on a very local level. It, well, and what it sets it up for is to have that action every time. Every time. The minority can always do it, yeah. 
And the last, I mean, not the last thing probably because I'm not known for keeping that. Because we have 30 more minutes, so yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, this whole call for unity now, on the floor, on the floor, the day it happened, the Republicans were calling for unity. And I'm like, okay, we can have unity. You guys get to do what the Democrats want for four more years. How about that for unity? Why don't you come over to us? You know, I'm tired of the Democrats saying, oh, well, you know, we got to we gotta do what the Republicans want so we can have some unity. I'm like, no, 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 no. They, this was the party of F your feelings for four years, and now all of a sudden they want unity. They can fix their unity on Sunday. You know what I think they're really saying is we're trying to get Trump to quietly leave, and the best way to do it is to not inflame his personal feelings, his his big baby feelings. And so let's just quietly show some unity and not censure him, not impeach him, not do anything to him, because Mm-mm. he'll get upset. Don't we need, care. We need to take a break, I but care. I want but I want to think about this. Um, uh, we have three days left of Trump. Do you think of Trump in office? Who knows what he'll do as a private citizen? Um, do you think he's going to pardon everybody who is involved in the insurrection and what the consequences of that will be? We'll talk about that. We're talking to Aaron Moore. This is Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet, and we'll be back right after this break. And I'm Dave Taffet. Um, we're talking to Aaron Moore. Um, Aaron, before the break, we were just starting to talk about, you know, there are only three more days left of the Trump administration. Do you think he's going to pull a stunt between now and Wednesday? Do, do I think what between now and Wednesday? That he'll pull a, a stunt. That he'll pull a stunt of some sort between now and no. Wednesday. I mean, he may pardon people. Um, I fully expect him to pardon people, and people are asking him to pardon them because you know they don't want to go to jail. Well, who does? Um, that may happen. I fully expect that to happen. But I think he is a defeated, dad little man right now. I don't think he's going to be going anywhere and doing anything to walk us. Um, and you were saying before the break, you know, people were trying not to poke the bear and, you know, upset him before he leaves office. And that's the kind of thing you do with somebody who, <laughs> to say it, who needs psychiatric help. You know, you calm him down, you get him to sit down, and then you try and get him some help. And that's kind of the same approach. And the other thing I've been hearing is that some Republican lawmakers were afraid to not vote uh, against the election results because they feared for their families' lives. If that's not a hostage situation, I don't know what is. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? So I'm like, I don't know. I, I mean, if he pardons people, he's going to pardon people. But some of these... Some of these crimes, I mean, they're 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 multi-jurisdictional, and I know that some of the attorneys general in some of the states where these people came from, you know, if they took a phone call or answered an email in Arkansas or Oklahoma, they're going to be prosecuted by those attorneys general. So I don't know that the people are going to get off scot-free. I don't think there's going to be this wholesale arrest that we, you know, that are probably deserved, but I think the main ringleaders, you know, the pictures of the people in the Capitol, I think they're going to have to serve some sort of time for something. And they're not friends of his, you know? So you don't think he really cares about them? No. 
No. I mean, you know, it's not like Roger Stone or Mike, or Mike Flynn who did something for him. You know, these are just the pawns in his, you know, stupid grab for attention. I don't even think it was a grab for power. I don't think he ever expected it to succeed. I think he just wants to watch the world burn, like they say in Batman. You know, it's like, you know, what can I do that will make people love me, 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 did I say me? Um, and listen to me and do something that's outrageous and basically good television. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, don't, I really don't even think he expected it to succeed. I think he knows it wasn't going to succeed. Well, but, but he was the puppet master for a little while and didn't that feel good? One report that I heard said that while this was going on, he was gleeful watching it on TV and he couldn't understand why other people in the White House were horrified. Right. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> other people in the White House are not sociopaths. So, I mean, I, and we've had this discussion before, but in 2016, when he won, I literally cried. I mean, I was, I, I bought some, some defensive, uh, you know, pepper spray, not pepper spray, but mace to carry on my keychain. Patty and I were attacked for having a Hillary sticker on our cars, you know, yelled at and thrown, stuff thrown at us and actually driving to Austin one time, almost drove off the road. So we, we knew who the, these people were. We knew that they had been in the shadows and they were now in power and we knew what they could do. And every subsequent horror after that, Charlottesville, um, you know, there's too many to name, but the day uh, we knew who this guy was. So why are we all surprised all of a sudden that this is his last play? You know, this is, he's going to hold on to power no matter what. I don't even think he wants to be president. I just think he wants the ability to do whatever the hell he wants. It's not about being president. It's about winning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, winning and, and playing with people. And quite frankly, my, my reaction to what happened in the Capitol was, huh, I didn't expect this one. But my reaction was not, gee, I'm so surprised. It's just, I didn't expect this one. <laughs> well, you have to admit, David, this is, this is, this is pretty shocking. And frankly, right up there with the Oklahoma City bombing in 9-11, mm-hmm. as far as acts of domestic terrorism. And people died. I mean, people died in this. And now, haha, more than Benghazi. You know, well, let's investigate this ten times over six years. You know, so the thing, the cognizant dissonance that Trump supporters have is just astounding to me. And I hope, I really hope that when he's out of power and out of office, that it just dies away and crawls back into the shadows. But I don't think it's going to. I mean... You know, the, the, the not so funny, the other meme I've been seeing is people running around the Capitol without masks now know why their ancestors wore hoods. You know, it, 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 there's gotta be consequences for this. And the only question is, is, is this hatred in power or is it not in power? Mm-hmm. So that brings up a question about Trump's last day in the White House. Uh, he wants a military send off. Of course he does. Well, what, what's your? He's not asking for a sash and a crown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, it, it, it has always been about him and the spotlight being on him, somehow staying relevant, no matter who he takes down with him. So of course he wants a military send up. I don't know if they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, he, I mean, as soon as Biden is inaugurated, he he is now on just an airplane. He's not on Air Force One anymore. Oh, he's flying to. Yeah, he's flying to Florida in the morning. Is the plan? Right. Yeah, I heard that. So, so I mean, I think he's already abdicated power. I think Pence has been in charge since one six, and you know, it's the adult in the room who's actually, you know, and this is another thing I wanted to bring up. You know, when when Trump was elected, everybody was like, oh, he's not healthy, he's not going to make it. Oh my God, Trump, you know, Pence would be so much worse. And I'm like, no, we know that devil. We know the devil who is not going to push the button, who is not going to cause insurrection, who is not going to, you know, he's a horrible, awful man who is antithetical to everything I believe in, but he's not a sociopath. Trump did. Do you know, I, I was on that side of that argument also, because a lot of people said, oh, no, 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 we can't get rid of Trump because Pence will be so terrible. And I said, there, there's a difference. The difference is Pence would never do something that he thought would in any way harm the country. Exactly. I mean, you know, like I said, we're ideological polar opposites, but... That's not the point. I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, um, right. yeah, I mean, I, I was talking about security of our nation, not, you know, is this guy reprehensible and horrible? <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, I really do think Pence has been in charge since one six. I think since the, the attempted coup failed, I think Pence has been calling the shots. I mean, it's, it, you know, widely reported now that he was the one that called in the National Guard to help the Capitol Police and, um, you know, whether or not he had the authority to, he did it. <laughs> Thank God. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I really think he's, I mean, so at this point, that begs the question, if Pence is in charge anyway, why haven't they invoked the 25th Amendment? Just do it. Oh, because if Pence is actually in charge and doing the actual function of the president and Trump is not arguing with that, to invoke the 25th Amendment would just piss off Trump's supporters and I think Pence thinks, well, this is a calmer way to do it. Well, maybe. Uh, when it comes to the yeah. actual functioning of the government, uh, this will be the way to do it. Now, if Trump had his Twitter account, can you imagine the tweeting that would be going on this week? Right, right. Well, but if he's abdicated his power, hasn't he, in essence, invoked the 25th against himself? Uh, <laughs> yes, but it's not official. Okay. It doesn't go down in history as the first president removed from office through the 25th Amendment. Um, he, he doesn't like the idea that he's the first president to be impeached twice. He, he doesn't like the idea that everybody is saying of the uh, other three impeachment charges, this is by far the most severe. Yeah. yeah do you know what Andrew Johnson was impeached for? Wasn't it like taxes or something? No, it was that he removed his secretary of defense from office after a law had been passed that the president can't remove his own secretary of defense. Now, that was what he was actually impeached for. It was kind of like the Clinton impeachment right. that they got him on lying about, uh, yeah, yeah. Ab about uh, his relationship. And it had nothing to do with it. It had everything to do with impeaching Clinton. This was everything to do with impeaching Johnson because Johnson was actually a Democrat. Republican Lincoln's right. uh, vice president was a Democrat. Yeah. 
which is kind of interesting. Um, well, some have been speculating that this is going to cause a, a rip in the, in the Republican Party and that they're going to have to figure out which side they're on and all of this. And there's all this speculation about McConnell, too. You know, he wants Trump out of office so he can take the party back over. And I think this is who these people are now. I think that, I mean, I don't think you ever, ever wash the Macbethian stain out of your clothes. Um, I mean, maybe you do. The Democrats did it, you know, after Reconstruction, and the maybe the Republicans can do it now. But I just, you know, if they win, they know who they are now. They know who's voting for them. Mm-hmm. And they really want those people to be who they represent. I say don't yeah. underestimate the Republican Party. Um, this is what we thought after Nixon that the Republican Party completely split, the ones who voted uh, or who had pledged to vote against Nixon and the ones who remained loyal. And really within, uh, after Ford, Carter was in for four years and then Reagan came along. I think it would take somebody of Reagan's stature and um, uh, his popularity to heal the Republican Party and and get the party beyond. But there have been some Republicans who've been speaking up and are, are trying to be that person. Uh, the one I'm thinking of in particular, Ben Sass. Again, you might not like his policies. I'm not talking about policies. I'm talking about personality, um, his vision for the country, uh, somebody who would never do something to purposely divide people, um, and especially not to divide his own country for his own personal gain. Right, right. I mean, you know, and at, at this point, you know, we're, we're playing the, the abuse victim game. You know, they're saying, you know, about this unity and stuff. It's like, well, if you wouldn't do bad things, I wouldn't have to hit you. Mm-hmm. You know, or if you leave, you're breaking up this family. Well, no, you guys have been abusing the system and the electorate and government for a long time. And it would be really, really nice to just get back to policy arguments. They're not talking about the structure and fabric of our democracy. <laughs> you know, uh, it was just, they, they made a devil's bargain, McConnell primarily, to do what they did with the Supreme Court. I think it was no matter who won the primary and who won the election. They were going to put up with them just to get the Supreme Court justices on there because those are lifetime appointments and they can have their ideological fights there. And they made that bargain with Trump and now they're in a now they're in a crisis. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really think that they're in a crisis. Do you know what so, my prediction is with the three Supreme Court justices that he appointed? Uh, I, I'm not expecting good things from them, but I'm expecting some surprises because I think that they want to prove they're their own person and they want to go down in history all three of them as somebody who voted their conscience voted um voted in a way that was different uh than trump would have expected them to or trump supporters would have expected them to um like gorsuch and the bostock uh decision right Right. Well, I hope so. I really hope so. I mean, I hope that they put the law um, above their ideology. Actually, the one I'm most worried about is ACB, um, as they're calling her. 
you know, she she is the the ideological purist along with Thomas, um, who vote against the law to make their point. So you know, and she nothing that she's done has come out in a decision yet uh, much. Uh, one or two, but, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, but I, I'm hoping with her too. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping so too. I really hope that that once the pressure of Trump breathing down her neck and threatening, you know, threatening, I'm just gonna leave it there. Um, that maybe she'll calm down and actually become a jurist I, I, becoming a, a and, and I say this sincerely and I'm not saying it as somebody on the other side I hope the three of them become three great Supreme Court justices yeah. and, and you don't do that by being just just ideological yeah. Yeah. I, I hope That's to true. see some brilliance in, in what they um, in, in some of their rulings well we can hope but that that was the game and everybody knew that was the game Start. You know, we're going to get a Republican president elected, whoever it is, to, to get the Supreme Court. And that's been the game for 10 years. And they made it. They got it. They did it. But look at the wreckage that it caused. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I really hope that, that Biden and then Kamala after him are in, in uh, elected office for a long time and can help fix some of the damage that was caused in just four short, short years. I mean, I know that Biden's going to have a marathon executive order signing session as soon as he's elected, but, I mean, we've got reputation to repair now globally. We've always been a global leader, global power, somebody that people wanted on their team, and now they're looking, I mean, <laughs> I, I hate to keep quoting memes, but, you know, I've been quarantined, and this is what I do all day. Um, somebody said, the world is looking at us like we watched the Tiger King. You know, it's like it's with it's with horror and train wreck fascination that they can't turn away, but they don't respect that. They don't I mean, a good them. example of that for anybody who would argue that is Pompeo was going to make a final uh, international tour uh, this last week, and he canceled the trip because foreign leaders didn't want to see him. Right. I don't know. I don't know the last time that's that happened. There might have been a foreign leader here and there that didn't want to see a uh, secretary of state o over the years, but this was going to be a tour, and none of them wanted to see him. Right. Well, and all these temporary, you know, interim appointments for these major, major, major de departments of the government is only so that they could pick who they wanted, but now they're down to, like, the bargain basement people, so why would world leaders want to meet with them? Homeland Security. Homeland Security is being led right now by the acting deputy secretary. Exactly. So, so, I mean, it's like, why would they, you know, give these people time of day? One and two, you're going to be out of office in three days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, or at the time, I think it was a week and a half, but still, you're going to be out of office. Mm -hmm. And we didn't like you then. Why would we invite you now? So that is not a big surprise. But yeah, it's 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 a train wreck that we've got to clean up the mess from. And unfortunately, we've got to spend time, resources, where spending like say time and treasure doing it when we could be focusing on other things like the pandemic. And thankfully, Kamala Harris the other day said, you know, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can we can impeach him 
<laughs> we can do a Senate trial, we can clean up world affairs, and we can move forward with our initiative mm-hmm. all at the same time. Well, I hope she's right. I really hope she's right. And if anybody can pull it off, it's this administration. If they have a really great mix of experience and leadership and, and youth and vitality, and they're putting all the right people in all the right appointments for, the, for these uh, directors. You know, I mean, they've got Nobel Prize winners as, as directors of some of these departments. So, you know, unlike... You know, Joe the Joe the janitor who he placed in charge of the CIA because that was the last I left standing. Right, or or like when Obama had a Nobel Prize winner uh, in physics as his energy secretary, and Trump appointed Rick Perry. <laughs> Right, right. We need to take a break. We're talking to Aaron Moore. Uh, this is Lambda Weekly on eighty nine point three KNON FM. We'll be back with more right after this. And I'm Dave Taffet, and in honor of the inauguration this week, I'm wearing my Converse sneakers today. So, Yay, me too. Are you? Um, you know what I wanted to talk about for a few minutes? The opening of the legislature. Uh, there were very yeah, few yeah. people there. You, you've been down there for it before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were very few people. The only people uh, who, uh, the only legislators who were allowed a guest on the floor were freshmen. Um, the um, the the press. We were up in the gallery only. I wasn't allowed to wander the floor and take pictures. Uh, it, it was Omar Narvaez, city councilman from Dallas, was uh, representing the city at the inauguration, and he described it best. He called it. It was like watching a Zoom meeting in person. And when he said that to me, I said, oh, that's exactly what this was. Um, some legislators had their offices open as usual, then kept distance and everybody wore a mask. Uh, you needed a, a uh, coronavirus test uh, to go in. Uh, so everybody was tested and everybody who was there tested negative. Um, so it was fairly safe. I saw Mary Gonzalez, who's the um, founder of the LGBT caucus. Her district is in El Paso. We saw each other from down the hall and opened our arms and went running toward each other. And then we got about six feet from each other and just did this hug to ourselves. And she said, you know, I had the coronavirus already. And I said, well, I've had my vaccine already. So we gave each other a big hug and we got horrified looks because this was out in the corridor just horrified looks that we were touching each other um but uh it it was a very cold day because there weren't receptions in people's offices some offices were locked and the legislators were not greeting anybody um Mm -hmm. it's going to be really interesting this session for two reasons one there's probably going to be less legislation passed because of the, the coronavirus measures and, and how often committees can meet um, and how they meet. And two, testimony is, is going to be very different. I don't even know how they're going to do testimony yet. They have, I don't think they've established the rules in the House yet. Um, but the other, the big elephant in the room, so to speak, is redistricting. It's like, will they get the numbers in time to actually do redistricting this legislative session? They may have to wait until 2023. Well, either Uh, that or um, they're thinking there'll be a special session. That was the talk on on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday. But the one thing thing about being there that you couldn't help but notice, I got there on Monday so I could 
pick up my press pass without having to wait on a long line that went around the block. As it turns out, there were 20 um, uh, media people, journalists who were there, uh, and that was about it. But I got there on Monday and picked up my press pass, went to the Capitol uh, building, and the number of police, I have never seen so many state troopers in one place. And it was good. It was a good thing because there are threats to the 50 state capitals. Now, what I want to know is I get that they were annoyed in Washington, but Texas voted for Trump. The electoral votes went to Trump. We have a Republican governor or a Republican lieutenant governor or a Republican uh, attorney general. What would they be protesting in Austin? Doesn't matter. They're, They're protesting. They're either protesting the laws or they're protesting the fact that Republicans didn't overturn the laws. Um, it's really any reason will do for guys to play dress up and be, you know, I liken this to, to, to too much testosterone boys going up to us with M80s. They just want to get out there and, and break stuff. Um, so I, I heard yesterday, I think that all of the state, it, our state capital, but a lot of the state capitals are just closing down, period. Yeah, ours um, closed. Ours is closed through Wednesday. Yeah, um, because they're afraid of the violence. They're afraid of what will happen. And I was, I've been largely working from home um, when I'm not working from home for the county. I'm working from a remote office that we have in District 1 in Garland, uh, where it's just us. But I had to go downtown to Dealey Plaza the other day for something. And they're Trump flag, protesters, hats, dad outfits down there on Dealey Plaza. You know, so it's not, it's not who, what logical at all. It's just right now, I think it's just raw, base animal instinct right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and I'm hoping it's the last throes of a dying, you know, effort, but mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think it's just, it's the nasty that comes out of the shadows when they're allowed to. But I think it's always there. I mean, there's always going to be that there. And it's just whether or not it's allowed. And we have to very, very clearly say that it's not allowed. And one thing I want to make clear, I don't want it to sound at all like I'm, I was horrified that all these police were there. I was horrified that all those police had to be there. The, the police that I met, they were the nicest guys. There were a couple of uh, times where we were walking in the Capitol, and they were walking in the Capitol, most of them, for the first time. So uh, a couple of times I gave them directions because it's confusing how to get from the main Capitol building to the underground office extension. So, you know, I showed them, oh, it's right around the the corner here and then through those doors and and down. Um, Republican and Democratic uh, lawmakers, as they were walking by each police officer, equal amounts of thank you for being here, thank you for being here, thank you for being here. well, the, the pictures of the state, of, not state, of the National Guard in the Capitol are just, at the same time, heartbreaking and heartwarming. Um, it's the only time that the National Guard has bivouacked at the Capitol since the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So they slept on the floors, they slept on benches, they slept wherever. Um, but the heartwarming part is that these guys don't often get that close to power, and there's several pictures of them like taking. A, a selfie in front of the Rosa Parks statue, ah. you know, or or finding, um, you know, their representative and and talking to them for a while, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the, the heartbreaking is that it's having to happen or that it had to happen and, and the conditions that they're sleeping under, you know, I mean, they've got them under tables in the cafeterias, you know, that kind of thing. But also that they're willing to be there and that they consider it a sacred place as well. So there is some hope there. You know, I saw the same thing in Austin, that the state police, many of whom had never been in the Capitol before, were walking around it in awe. And our Capitol is an awe-inspiring building. Um, I'm assuming our I'm, I'm assuming our police are staying at Camp Mabry in Austin, uh, so they're not sleeping on the Capitol floors. Um, but the off the uh, Capitol grounds closed t- through Wednesday mm-hmm. because they're they're worried about uh, I- anything happening, anything like Washington D.C. They they do not want anything yeah. like that to happen. I mean, what we haven't talked about, and I know we're running out of time, but what we haven't talked about is the number of law enforcement that participated in that insurrection. You know, I mean, it's in their ranks, too, and I think I think they're trying to do their best to say, no, we're not okay with this, and that's not who we are. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe maybe we get through this. Maybe we don't normalize it like we're already starting to do. Maybe we, you know, actually stomp this out with a horrific... Uh, uh, feelings that it that it engendered, and and just go ahead and put this to rest. That this is not how this nation acts. But this is this is a turning point. This is a tipping point. If we don't if we don't say no now, it, it's it's going to happen again. You know, it it it, it is not okay. <laughs> you know, I am not okay. We are not okay. Mm-hmm. And we can't pretend that we are just because people one didn't realize the consequences of their actions, or two were trying to do a political move on the floor of the house. Right. Well, Aaron, we are out of time. The hour flew. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, we, we will have you back again very soon. I'm sure. Okay. Um, for for our listeners, we're ending. Yeah. You too. Um, for our listeners, we do end our shows here on KNON about 10 minutes before the hour. You don't notice it usually on the music shows, but on the talk show you do. We're wiping down the counters, uh, changing windscreens, doing everything we can to keep the uh, studio safe for each other. And so far, we've done a pretty good job, I think. Uh, we're going out with some music now from Perry Wood. Perry was a piano player, singer, who used to perform at John L's on Wycliffe. Uh, that was good 20, 25 years ago. Uh, but here's Perry Wood. Come fly with me, come fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in Far Bombay. Come on, fly with me, we'll take off.